Amen. Why don't you take a seat? So uh, there's a slight challenge this morning, which is the clock at the back of this room says it is quarter to two. So I'm assuming that's quarter to two a.m., so I reckon I've got hours to preach, and, uh, but don't worry, I won't do that. Um, some of you might know that this school was my school, and, uh, and I was here 30 years ago. I know you're looking at me, you think, he can't be that old. And, uh, but it was my school, and generally I would say I enjoyed school. I did enjoy school. The only thing, the real thing that I didn't enjoy about school was, was lunch times in the summer when me and my mates would be out, we would be playing football, and it came to that awful moment of picking teams. Because, you see, I wasn't very good at football. Again, I know you, can, you look at me, you think, how could that possibly be true? Too, too much laughter there, I think. And, uh, and so it was an excruciating moment for me in that I'd be in that line, I would never be a captain. Uh, and to hear all of these names called and never my name. And, and that worst moment of all, sometimes when you're one of the last two, and the two captains who are my best friends then fight over each other, not for me, but for the other person to have me. Is, is anyone, has anyone had this kind of experience? I'm like, okay, okay. Are there any sports people in the house? Any sports people in the house who are great at football? Okay, we, we hate you, okay? We don't, we don't hate you. And uh, life's hard, isn't it? It's hard to not be chosen, to feel like you're in last place. Well, this morning, literally just for about 10 minutes or so, uh, before we come to our baptisms uh, after a song, I, I want to talk to you about one of the most amazing truths that I've ever discovered. And it's simply this, that God has chosen you. God has chosen you. God has chosen you. He has, he has chosen you to be part of his family. He has chosen you to be his beloved sons and daughters. He has chosen you to experience life in all of its fullness and riches, a taste of which, and a good taste we get now, but the promise of complete life and fullness in all eternity. He has chosen you to join him in bringing kingdom help and hope and healing into this broken world. He has chosen you. Now, some of you might be listening to that and thinking, well, hold on, if he's chosen me, does that mean he has not chosen the person I'm sitting next to? And the amazing news here is this is not like the playground. God has chosen every single person in this room. And he's chosen us by name. He's called us by name. There is a, a personal and a unique invitation from God to you, personally addressed, written and signed in the blood of Jesus for you, for your life. He has chosen you. And so I want to read just a few verses uh, from Mark chapter 2 about a guy who imagined he could never be chosen and yet discovered he was. Mark chapter 2. If you haven't got a Bible, uh, it's going to be on the screens as well. But, so this is going to be Mark chapter 2, verse 13 to 17, and this is from the New Living Translation version. 
Mark chapter 2, verse 13 to 17. When Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him, as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. I love the little brackets that Mark adds here. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. Like that. Verse 16, but when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call those, not those who think they're righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. It doesn't take a rocket scientist, friends, to realize that Levi was utterly despised. Utterly despised. And he was despised because he was a Jewish guy who had chosen to work for the enemy, the Roman oppressors, who were literally evil incarnate. And so all of his people thought, how could you work for the enemy? And if that wasn't bad enough... He was a tax collector. So that meant literally he was taking money from his people and giving it to the enemy. And if that wasn't bad enough, not only was he doing that, but everyone knew if you were a tax collector, you weren't just lining the pockets of your enemy, you were lining your own pockets. You were ripping your own people off in order that you yourself could be wealthy. He was utterly despised. It's a horrible phrase, isn't it, when the Pharisees look at him and his mates and say, they are scum, utterly despised. And so you've got to think, like, what self-respecting Jewish person would ever choose to become a tax collector? Because, like, you knew if you were going to do that job, you knew what you were signing up for. You knew that you would be despised and hated by everyone. You would be an outcast. You would be isolated. And I'd suggest you'd have to be the kind of person who thought, I don't care what anyone thinks about me. I just don't care. Or perhaps, more accurately, you're one of those people who pretends, I don't care what anyone thinks about me. In my experience, the people who say, I don't care what anyone thinks about me, are actually the ones who care the most. But they have been badly wounded by things that have been said or done to them. And so they put on this mask that Levi must have worn himself that says, I don't care what anyone thinks. And yet deep down their hearts were broken because of this rejection. I think it can be true for us. I think there are things that can be said or done to us or lies that are said over us that can get us to a place like Levi when he would never ever imagine that he would ever be chosen. I was thinking about this and I'd suggest there are three lies that all of us sometimes live with. And worst case, some of us have actually had these lies spoken over us. The first lie is this. You were a mistake. 
I can imagine this was a lie that Levi was told. When he was old enough to understand it, maybe his parents said to him, Levi, you were a mistake. Like, we didn't plan you. You were a little bit of an accident. Worst case, you were an inconvenience to us. And so he lived the whole of his life thinking, I'm a mistake. I'm an inconvenience. I am a nothing. And yet in this moment, friends, Jesus rocks up to him. And by inviting him to follow him, Jesus was saying, God doesn't make mistakes. You are not a mistake. You are uniquely and beautifully and preciously and wonderfully and incredibly created by a God who loves you. Your mom and dad may have said they didn't plan you, but God planned you. Like God always knew you were coming and God is pleased you're here. Someone needs to hear that this morning. God planned you. And if you're here today like Levi, and maybe you're living with that where people had said that over you, we're praying today that God would lift that lie off you and you would know that you are fearfully and wonderfully and beautifully made. You are planned by God. Maybe it was that. Maybe it was another truth where, where he was told, you'll never amount to anything. You're just a nobody. Like you'll never do anything, you'll, you'll never be good at anything. Maybe some of us were told that by our parents. Maybe he was told that by his or his synagogue teachers. Maybe even our teachers said those kind of things. You'll never amount to anything, you'll never be good for anything. And yet Jesus rocks up and says to this guy who everyone said was a nobody, he was like, there are no nobodies with God. With God, everybody is a somebody. Everybody is a somebody. Everybody, everybody's life counts. You see, to understand how significant this moment is, you have to understand that at the time, Jesus was respected as a great rabbi, a great teacher, a great uh, man who understood the depths of the law and how to apply it to live the life that God had created us to be. He was understood to be a great rabbi, even though he was so much more than that. And, and, And the greatest privilege in the culture of that time, if you were a Jew, would be for a rabbi to come up to you and say to you, come and follow me. Because if a rabbi said that, the rabbi essentially was saying, I see something in you. I I believe in you. I I think you could do great things. I think you could join me in what I'm doing to see God's kingdom break out. In fact, I think so highly of you that I think you could become like me. That eventually I died, you could pick up what I'm doing and it would be as if I was doing it through you. That's what it meant. And so it's no great surprise that Matthew, uh, Levi rather, he drops everything because no one has ever believed in him like this in his life. Because you see, Jesus takes the lies and he says, you're born for a reason. You're born to be in relationship with this God. You're born to join in with what this God is doing in the world. To see God's life and love break out. But it's hard even to accept that because maybe he was finally told the third line. The third lie is this, like, no one will ever want you. No no one will ever love you. You will never, ever be chosen. No one's ever going to pick you. No one's ever going to choose you. And again, maybe he lived with that lie because, I mean, maybe even someone said to him kind of prophetically, or should I say like a curse, they said, like, Levi, the only thing that you're ever going to be good for is a tax collector. Like, that would be a great job for you. Because no one's going to choose you. No one's going to love you. And yet, in this moment, when Jesus chooses him, he's being chosen by more than a great rabbi, friends, isn't he? He's being chosen by the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
He's been chosen by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's been chosen by the creator of the whole universe. He's been picked for Team Jesus, the greatest team of all. He has been chosen by God himself. And so many of us, maybe we've been rejected by people, but the reality is rejected by people, accepted in heaven. Chosen by heaven, by the God who loves us and doesn't love us because we are good. Doesn't love us because we've got our life together, but loves us because he is good. And he sees something in you, believes what you could be. The great invitation. And Levi accepts the call and his life totally changes. He becomes one of Jesus' 12 disciples and apostles begins this movement that we call Christianity today. His name is changed to Matthew, which means gift of God. And he writes the first of four Gospels, which feature at the beginning of the New Testament. He becomes one of the biggest selling authors in the world. When he refuses to allow the lies that have been said over him to stick. And he says, yes, to the great invitation of Jesus. He comes to believe, I am not a mistake. I was lovingly created by God. I am not a nobody. I'm a somebody with God. I am loved and I am lovable. The creator of the universe knows my name and he loves me whatever I do or don't do. I am chosen and in this I find freedom. Eugene Peterson put it this way, when we sin and mess up our lives, we find that God doesn't just go off and leave us. He enters into our trouble and he saves us. 60 years ago, there's this guy and he notices that his mum has just thrown away this tattered, green, crumpled coat. And, and she discards it in the bin, but he sees something in the coat. And so he gets the coat out of the bin and he makes it into a puppet. He gets two ping pong balls, cuts them in half, turns them into eyes. And in the mid-50s, this little green puppet, the creation of Jim Henson, became the most famous puppet in all the world. Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog. When Jim Henson saw something that was broken and knew it could be awesome. This is, friends, very simply what Jesus does with us. When we say yes to him, when we accept the invitation, he takes the imperfections and the brokenness of our lives, when we surrender to him every day, and he does something awesome. Let's pray. And so just before we come to this final song, I simply want to ask if there is anyone here this morning who has not fully said a yes to Jesus, to invite Jesus. There's an invitation to you this morning by name. Jesus is inviting you to follow him. He's chosen you. He loves you. He wants to do wonderful things in and through you. If if you've not said that big yes, then I want to invite you to do that. I'm going to say a prayer. And if you want me to include you in your prayer, just so that I know who I'm praying for, I'm not going to do anything weird, then I'm going to ask you right now where you are, just to put up your hand as a way of reaching out to God and letting me know, Jesus, I want to be free from the lies, and I want to give my life to you and follow you. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you for this incredible truth that though we are mixed up and broken, you have chosen us. You have chosen us. And right now, Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, you would come and you would free us from the lies that have been set over us. And we would know we are loved. We have a purpose. We have a destiny. We have a future. We are chosen to live for you and live with you for all eternity. And in this, I just declare over every life in this place, we find freedom. And everybody agreed and said... Amen.